I'm Nathan Ashman, teacher, parent and now podcaster. Welcome to My Students Have Taught Me. Each week we're going to take a brief look at your teen trending topic to understand what it is, why it's popular with teens, why it might have concern as parents and teachers and what impact it might have on society moving forward. This week My Students Have Taught Me about Andrew Tate. You'll know the name Andrew Tate, an accused proprietor of misogynistic hate. More than controversial quips for likes and clicks, but ideological shtick from the lips of a suspected convict. What a scene has been set where our boys are upset, enough to watch and invest in what this chauvinist suggests. And I have this week with me, Naomi Piperman. Now, Naomi is assistant principal for inclusion at St. Wilfrid's, school that I also work at. So we're colleagues. Hi, Naomi. Hi. So we're going to talk about Andrew Tate. I know that quite a few people have been waiting for this um, podcast to drop because it's such a contentious issue and it is really relevant and topical today because yesterday there was an interview done with the BBC with Andrew Tate. It's caused quite a lot of sort of, I guess, it's caused quite a lot of intrigue from people. And it's also then got a bit of backlash as well from Andrew Tate's supporters. But we're really here to talk about Andrew Tate's influence on young people in schools so Naomi what concerns do you have about Andrew Tate's sort of ideology and rhetoric um, towards school children so I think firstly we were supposed to do this interview quite a long time ago weren't we and we've been trying to find the we've been trying to find the time to get to do it that's the life of school teachers isn't it Um, but actually as we've talked and went through the last few weeks and months of figuring out the right time there's been quite a lot that's gone on with Andrew Tate. So we initially talked about it at the very beginning when he'd just been arrested um, and it was when Greta Thunberg had put stuff out on Twitter. Um, I think around that time, we were seeing bits and pieces within school and hearing little little undercurrents of quite quiet conversations from some of the boys that feel, I guess, that they want to be more outspoken. Over the last few months, I guess, as we've been talking about Andrew Tate, I've seen more of the children that you wouldn't expect saying things that are influenced by some things from Andrew Tate or people that support him um, and seeing things that they're doing, such as his hand movements. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit later, won't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, And also, it's the the brash or the brazen way that some of these young people feel like they have the right to say some of these things that are quite quite horrific out loud um, and that it's okay and it'll be supported. Um, the influence that then we see is not only on the boys but also on the other students that are listening to that whether they're influenced to think the same or they feel beaten down by what's being said I think it's important to mention as well that this isn't just sort of an issue that we've experienced at our school like it's not I, I don't say it's a really massive issue there but this is this is definitely a national thing so in the BBC's coverage of Andrew Tate's interview yesterday who then talked about the overall impact on education and children in this country. And here's what she had to say. Here's a clip from Bramwyn Jeffries, education editor at the BBC. Matthew, teachers have spoken very vividly of how they are deeply worried about how the language, the attitudes, the behaviours that Andrew Tate models in his content are having a far-reaching influence on boys as young as 10 and 11 and certainly older teenagers. 
That, they say, is translating into a culture where casual sexual, sex, sexism is normalised in UK schools, where the kind of language that you might hear in some of Andrew Tate's uh, videos are then repeated by children back to teachers, and that that, along with other online content, is contributing to sexual harassment in schools, to sexual assaults in schools. In terms of uh, what we were just listening to uh, and what you've just said about uh, concern from teachers, uh, how are they actually combating all of that? And uh, in terms of conversations you have with pupils, what sort of proportion roughly uh, know about this sort of content, view this sort of content, uh, are potentially influenced by this sort of content? It would be hard to find a teenager in the UK who wasn't aware of Andrew Tate and his content, whether or not they've consumed very much of it themselves, and some of them will have done. He projects this image of success, of fame, of wealth, which very much appeals to some easily influenced young teenage boys. And alongside that, they are absorbing some of the other language and attitudes that he's using. Now, schools have genuinely taken a view that they don't want to focus too much on him as an individual, but rather their approach is that they try to teach about respectful language and relationships to try and give some sense of what is normally acceptable in society and to build resilience in children so that they can look at online content, content look at videos on different social media platforms and distance themselves enough to make a judgment about whether those are behaviours they should be adopting. But schools say they are fighting an uphill battle against what teenagers can see online and on social media and this is just one part of it. What I've experienced is that students have been doing this Andrew Tate hand gesture that he does. So when it, whilst he's been interviewed he sort of points, he's got this I don't know, phallic, so I guess that phallic gesture where he, he's pointing whilst he's got his hands clasped um, and I've seen students have this hand gesture in classrooms, on the playground and some have actually admitted that they've been influenced by Andrew Tate and some of them have just said, oh, it's just a hand gesture. Yeah, I've seen that too. And I think it's quite a natural hand gesture also for some of our students or for, for anybody really. You sit with your hands clasped, sometimes that's the way you do it. So it can just be what it is. And so for for adults that aren't really aware of Andrew Tate, because I think if you asked, say you asked a 15-year-old who's Andrew Tate, they could tell you. If you asked a 45-year-old, unless you are around young people, you probably haven't heard of him in the same way that we have so there's some adults that won't even notice some adults won't see what that is and so there will be children that are looking to the adults to say why are you not challenging that what you're not saying yeah but they don't know to challenge it they don't know that it looks like something that it shouldn't um but equally so it, it then it's just a hand gesture isn't it what yeah. what's a hand gesture i know but it's so much more than that isn't it as well though because you know that if a student is doing that hand gesture they're always listening to or watching those videos and we talked before in other podcasts about the algorithms on social media and the fact that as soon as you've even liked a video, watched a video, even just hovered over a video, you're then going to get lots more Andrew Tate content or similar content that's going to come through on your feed. And parents are just not aware that that's happening in the, in the kids' bedrooms on the kids' mobile phones. I think as, as, as schools and as teachers, we try to sort of educate children around that on PSHG days or theme days, things like that. The education for parents isn't there at the moment. I think there's a big gap in 
parents knowing what kids are actually seeing and what they're looking at um almost using social media to occupy their kids attention but not realizing the dangers that it might have i think we talk a lot of, in schools about the effect that it might have on boys and their attitude towards females but what is the impact on females in schools you think i guess so what i've seen within school is so i'll give you an example of when there was a child that was discussing how he thought that andrew g was a tit really open or, no andrew <laughs> t- was a g andrew g was a tit i'll leave i'm leaving that i'm leaving that in <laughs> <laughs> okay andrew tit was a g let's go over that again so one example that i have is that i i openly heard a child talk about how andrew tit was a g um, and there were other children in the classroom. G meaning gangster. Oh, G meaning gangster. Sorry. Is that, is that what you think? Yeah. 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 That's, yeah, that's, what, that's what he meant. Mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so the other people that were in the classroom, teacher in the classroom, boys, girls in the classroom, and it was girls that then challenged that that language. Yeah. And so it was great to see the girls feeling empowered to challenge that language, but then the boy just said something to just say back to them, and so then they give up because, well, actually, whenever they've listened to Andrew Tate and they've heard you know 75 to 80 percent of his stuff sounds like it's actually decent and a good deal and it's only that extra add-on at the end that's you know maybe misogynistic or whatever then they think that they have a really good argument and that actually what a female's saying doesn't matter anyway um and so that's the feeling that the boys have which then leads to the feeling that the girls feel like well what we say doesn't matter and the boys in the room weren't challenging it so i feel like from my perspective i feel like the more effective challenge has come whenever another a male challenges what's being said right um even as at an adult level so if i've seen or heard some of the boys saying things and i've i've commented um that it, it's it's kind of feeding into the rhetoric rhetoric that he's saying already isn't it oh, well of course a female would say that they would make me feel that way um so it's it's much more powerful whenever it's a, a male that's saying that's enough that's not right this is how it should be um because i think it's interesting to talk about the sort of the way that boys might feel currently in our society and as teenagers especially after lockdown as well and why is this sort of like appealing to them yeah i guess so i don't i I haven't really listened to much andrew tate his stuff i just listened to a lot of what the media was saying what a lot of his critics were saying so in, in preparation um i listened to some of his things and do you know when you listen in you're like oh yeah that makes a lot of sense hard work gets you success um yeah we've we've lived in this sort of life where females have had to get better and better and better because they've been downtrodden um but now it's time for us to take some sort of lead i get that that the males maybe feel that actually we're living in now a female dominated society so thinking about some of our especially our boys that are just coming into puberty and that idea that they have to be men mm. they they now i've got 12 and 13 year olds that i'm i see on a daily basis that are getting stronger getting buffer they i don't know what it is hench they call it isn't it um because they've got all these fitness routines in place because that's what it is to be a man they can't back down from stuff because that's what it is to be a man andrew tate says when you say something you have to then do it well if they say something they feel like they have to do it because if they don't they back off then i can't use swear words on this can i you can't use swear no, words on okay this, no. well, well then they get called they get called weak in the way that kids call each other weak Nobody wants to be seen as weak, not if you're trying to be a man. So around them, they feel like they've got to be ma- men. Yeah. In fact, I think even though I don't necessarily want to swear on the podcast, I understand the words words that you're saying mm. because the words that students use against each other um, would be words that would be associated with feminine uh, at- of I don't know what the words to Ana- say is. Anatomy. Yeah, yeah. Feminine anatomy. Um, and again, that's sort of like that. 
that's part of what he's trying to say, isn't it? He's trying to say men should be men, boys who are trying to sort of find identity in, in the teenage as teenagers and going through puberty are then buying into this. And the worst thing almost would be to be called one of those terms, which is completely the opposite of masculine. Yeah. I think as well, watching how the influence is on some of our either our younger students or our students who aren't as academically bright. So you've got our younger ones are those that, that feel like they can just say it as it is. Um, and you can easily identify, okay, that's they're being influenced by what they're listening and watching. But then you've got those other students that are a little bit older and they're much more eloquent in how they put their argument. And they sound wonderful. They sound like, oh, yes, everything you're saying makes sense. And so they then become somebody that some of the other students look to. That makes sense of what they're saying, but actually what they're being influenced by is what they're listening to as well. Um, and those are the students that are harder to harder to um, just even get them to think a different way, get them to listen to a different opinion. Um, and equally, they look at us and we're just old people telling them what to do. So why are they going to listen to us anyway? We aren't those successful millionaires billionaires like he is so we aren't the people that they want to listen to not not all of them that's not true of all of them but so perhaps the way into this then is not to then demonize everything that's happening and that he's saying and doing but allow debate into that topic i think we don't do that enough necessarily in classrooms is to actually look at contentious topics and let students go away research find information and then talk to each other about it rather than us being the adults telling them what we think because i know what i think um, and I think I think it's appalling. And I've, I've had conversations with students at school where I've said, you know, in this academy, this is what we believe, and we believe that men and women are equal. And and they they then challenged me with some of the things that Andrew Tate has said. I said you can't go around saying that, um, and we need to have a further conversation about about this. Yeah, I think so. I've seen a, a few different fields of thought. Um, I know that within sort of our younger years, one of the form tutors came to me and said, this conversation happened within my classroom and I just shut it down. I said, we are not talking about him, we're not giving him any airtime. But actually what that does is and that just pushes it underground and then the children don't get the opportunity to to hear and discuss like you've just suggested. Um, they want to feel like young adults, don't they? And the only way that we can enable them to be young adults is to enable the conversations with them. But then also, if you make it taboo, you've got those students in the classroom who aren't actually quite sure what Andrew Tate's all about, who then go find to find some more information in the wrong places and are then bombarded with all this information again and maybe something where they wouldn't have gone initially if you hadn't actually opened that conversation there and then. I quite like to look at some of the things actually Andrew Tate has said because it's interesting to think about some of the stuff you said before about some of the stuff makes sense, you know. If you want to be successful, if you want to be like him, have lots of money, have fast cars, have property, have influence over millions of people across the world, you've got to work hard. But what he does, he's very, very clever in sort of just stepping over the line now and again um, and then causing controversy so he gets more hits and, and more um, media attention around him. But then some of the stuff he says is just downright wrong as well. Um, so I've got a couple of things here. So he's talked about rape victims and the fact that they must bear some responsibility for, for their for attacks on them. He's talked about the fact that he dates women who are 18 and 19 because he can then make an imprint on them. He has, on video, talked about the fact that he would then um, go out with somebody who was younger and influence them enough that they would then put themselves on camera. That's obviously what he's been arrested for as well. He has talked about women women being a dumb hoe when responding to people's comments on social media. So those things, you can't get away from the fact that they are absolutely downright wrong. Yet he 
in the interview he did yesterday, just defended himself by saying he'd never said things like this, that he'd been misquoted, that the BBC had an agenda against him, that he um, didn't have any responsibility if students were influenced by him in a negative way. Whereas I think he bears all the responsibility because he's so high profile. Possibly not all. Um, so obviously, you know, he's, he, I agree that everything, I mean, I'm appalled by the things that he said. I, I can't say that anything that he said there is is any way positive. But um, equally, as a parent, if you're handing your child the world in their hand, that they can then go out and view that world in any way they want. And I mean a mobile phone, I mean a device, I mean something that they can get the internet on. You, you've got to be responsible for parenting them too. Um, you've got to be responsible for having a look at what they're looking at, sitting alongside them and teaching them that these are the sorts of things that you may see on social media. Equally, there's a disconnect there though too, isn't there? As a parent, what I'm a whole generation and a half away from where my child is in terms of social media. She's not on social media, she's five. Um, but your your children are. Um, and so then it's, what do I not know? And how do I find it out? As, as a member of staff in a school, there's not a week that goes by that I don't have a different way that I'm supposed to be looking at something on social media or something that the children have told me about. So there is a big gap there for parents as to how do they find out how to parent on social media. I mean, part of that responsibility may come down to schools. There have been events that we've run in the past, well, you've run in the past, to show parents how do you navigate the technology that your children have. But actually, that's an ever-changing world, isn't it? Yeah. And so you think about 2020 to now, there are so many advancements that parents handed devices to their children and said, go on there, you need it. It's a safe place because this is the safe place that we are. And actually, it's a really, really unsafe world. So, yeah, Andrew Tate bears loads of responsibility, um, but he's not going to take it. No. So we then have to take the responsibility as the adults that influence the children around us to be the influencers that they can hear and that they see and that they have it modelled around them, whether that's as parents or as people that work with them in a school. I agree. And I think that as a school and as teachers, we often find things out before before parents actually because things happen or something goes wrong and then there's a knock on the pastoral door office or, or, or we, we have a complaint about something or our kid's upset. So we find out about these things and we have to clue ourselves up really, really quickly to be able to then not only deal with the situation but to educate children around the situation as well. But we often do, I think, miss out parents in that. Even though they might be informed, we don't necessarily educate them on how to, like you say, how to navigate the social media world that's changing all the time. And that's obviously the reason why I'm doing this podcast is to try and help teachers, try and help parents on these various different topics that kids are into and that we don't necessarily understand. I don't understand the influence it has on them, but also the appeal it has for them as well. So as a school then, how do we... I know we talked about sort of um, having more debate in the classroom. I guess how can we structurally try and combat this kind of um, rhetoric, this ideology that comes through from Andrew Tate and other people? Big question. Um, I don't think it's time to, I mean, we can talk about how we could do it within our school, um, but it's how, as educators, can you? Do you know, I, I'm sure that you're on many different social media forums with different people that work pastorally with students and there's just a minefield of what people are saying. So, you know, there's here's an assembly that you could do on Andrew Tate. Really, I don't think that's effective at all. Um, I mean, I do assemblies and I see how passively some students take those. It has to be where the students are part of whatever we do. Um, so whether it's that it is a student-led initiative 
or it's uh let's let's actually have a sit down honest conversation about how this impacts you as a young person um and it's not just do you know how it impacts the boys and how that's influencing them um but it's also letting them know that it's it's okay that they've been influenced in this way yeah that's a good point because we very very quickly sort of vilify people um adults and children with certain views especially if they've got them on social media but like you say they're children at the end of the day and they ne- they haven't necessarily asked for this content it's come to them and they're almost going to treat them as almost like uh, victims rather than villains without to, calling to them a victims degree. yeah okay, because then it feeds into the rhetoric again doesn't it i feel like it's such a fine line to tread because almost everything that you do feeds into the exact rhetoric that he's saying so like talk about this like it's it's not a good thing oh they just said it's not a good thing so they push my opinions down or um i I don't know i just think um it's it's trying to cleverly outthink all of the ways that the influencers influence um you get all these de-influencers but they're just influencing too so then is is that the right word to that influencing influencing Influencing, not influencing (laughs) i don't know what i teach um (laughs) well i i think in terms of some of the points just made there so Andrew Tate, he talks uh, in his interview yesterday, he was very, very defensive and very, very dismissive and almost wanted to move on to the next question, wanting to control the interview that the BBC interviewer um, was trying to control herself and ask him questions. He was asked, trying to ask her questions. Don't think he really understood. The point was that he, he's a suspected you know, criminal and he's under house arrest. And of course, someone's going to turn up there and ask him some questions because he's been accused of a lot. Whereas he then tried to turn the table on the mainstream media um and then say that they were they had a certain agenda against him and, and what and what he was but all that then does is stir up more support for him and um cause more controversy and then get him more likes and more hits and more money and more wealth and more power i don't necessarily think that um young people understand that whole part of it in terms of essentially what does this man want money wealth and power is what he's really after um and i don't think he really wants to change the world as such um because if he did he'd be far more humble in what he what in the way he goes about things rather than being so aggressive and dismissive of the arguments people have against him so i think when we educate young people it's not just necessarily about the effect of his words on people or effect of he might have on them as they're trying to find their identity but also about the the money side of it as well about about the the whole sort of i guess society's drive to becoming an influencer and bec- and having and making money quickly and um having self-worth in other people liking you yeah i think do you know people compare him to some of the good influencers i put good in inverted commas so like mr beast are we allowed to talk about other influences while we're on? Of course we are, yeah. Do you know, I, I know that he's raised so much money for, for different charities and has been involved in lots of different movements. But equally so, he's got a big bank all for himself too. So um, how much of that is altruistic? Do you know, is he giving away all of his money? No, he's not. The kids in school know who Mr Beast is. PewDiePie, they know who that is too. And, and so they are seen as good influencers that do good for society and I think that's great yeah if you've got a platform then you should use it for good um and I'm not saying you shouldn't keep any of your money for yourself because if you work hard you, you keep your money but there is that the there's such a movement within young people these days that they want to be 
on social media that you ask a you ask a seven year old what do you want to do, do you know some of them are going to say they want to be YouTubers because that's not a viable job, podcasters because that's not a viable hey. thing to do also. But um, it wasn't it wasn't a an option, um, you know, ten years ago that that's what you could be, and so now it's it's quick fame, quick money, um, not a lot of work. But that feeds into what Andrew Tate says because you know you can't just get stuff really quick. You have to work hard, work hard, work hard. And he always talks about how he works really hard and 18 hours a day and that's why he's so successful um and so he's trying to tell young people do that work really hard but then what happens with the, to these kids who want to be influencers want to want all this and they don't get the likes they don't get the clicks they don't get that gratification back we as schools and then as parents as well have to pick up the pieces of that so there needs to be more education around sort of i guess the what am i trying to say the the permanence whenever you put something out there yeah the, yeah that's definitely part of it but then also preparing kids for what right, if you are going to post this if you are going to go down this avenue what could be the effects on mental health if things don't go the way that you want them to go mm. i mean i i know that so you know i've worked a lot at key stage three i've got year sevens and year eights that there's videos resurfacing when they were six and they were seven and they wanted to be a youtube star and now they're they're using that as things to laugh at them for and these children can't do anything about it because it's out there and they feel really embarrassed and they're you know 12 and they've put they're just little minecraft videos or whatever but actually if they're 12 now and they're putting out videos and they're saying whatever they believe about whatever influencer they've been listening to say for instance andrew tate when they're 17 18 19 and there's social media searches when they're trying to get jobs and they're trying to get a really good profession and what's out there is something that's really misogynistic. Yeah. Where does it go? We've seen it in footballers when they said something racist 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's our job to try and influence that, isn't it? But also with parents, they've, they've got to be, if the child has a YouTube channel, you've got to be watching what they're about to put on their YouTube and um, be part of the process, sit and edit it with them. Well, maybe they could show you how to edit. Um, <laughs> that's the thing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's it's... It's. I don't think that children understand that when they put their voice out into social media, where they're actually putting it out for the whole public. Yeah. And no matter what we say, it doesn't quite sink in because no. it's a totally different world, isn't it? And it's a world they really care about as well. Mm. So do we then try and find voices within that world that they care about that offer an alternative view to the one that Andrew Tate is offering? Do they create their own voice? Do do I mean they are creating their own voice, but do they work together to create a, a positive voice that goes out there into? social media or um I, I once had the idea that we as a school could do a podcast but then i thought actually what we don't want is um this is some Alfred's views i on you know but i think that yeah. i know there's one other school that runs something very similar to a ted talk um and it's huge it's huge in their school because they have children that go when they research and they work really hard together that they it's a little bit like what we spoke about already giving them the the power and the initiative to go off and research and then they work with a member of staff to how do I do this, the oracy around this and to persuade people into what I'm saying. And it's it's the idea of influencing, isn't it, in a positive way, but in a way where it's <laughs> controlled influencing. Do we want to talk about controlled influencing? Um, no, I guess mediated is different. Yeah. yeah because we, we can regulate it as adults who have more wisdom than, than the children. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's not controlled, but definitely regulated. As a teenager, I was involved in a really wonderful organisation where we had the opportunity to have live every week debates around topical issues. So it could be anything from um, climate change to um, 
I can't think of something else. Andrew Tate. Yeah, Andrew Tate. But I mean, he wasn't around whenever I was 17, was he? Um, but what was wonderful about that was that there was every type of opinion in the room and it was, it's okay for everybody to disagree, but disagree in, a, in such a way where nobody's having an argument and it taught the skills of communication, which I think is hugely missing. And the great thing about that was that that was brought around because of the lack of peace in Northern Ireland. So there was funding in that. In England, there isn't really that same opportunity that I've seen anyway. And I think that that's something that we need to look for for our young people is the opportunity to learn how to actively disagree and to actively listen to one another. Because I don't know about you, but the conversation that I see happening is my turn. No, it's my turn now. No, it's my turn now. And they don't know how to listen as well as they need to, which is it's a, it's the detriment of all of them. Because all they hear then is the voices that they listen to on their phones. I think that's really, really important that, that we do teach them to listen to each other. And like you said, it's okay to disagree. It's okay to have a difference of opinion and listen to someone else's opinion and maybe uh, change our own based on what someone's gone away and researched. I really like the idea as well that you talk about the TED Talks in school, um, something which I think we could definitely bring to our school, but also others could facilitate in theirs as well. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for today. You really appreciate it. So for all the distractions with the dogs and... Uh, phone calls and everything else i'll try and cut those out of the edit and um may get you on for another topic at some point in the future i'll start researching anything you want to talk about in particular um i've got a list <laughs> <laughs> you send me the list thanks Naomi. thanks as always thank you for listening and feel free to get in touch via twitter my handle is at nathan ashman please let me know what you think of the show and also if you'd like to suggest any topics for further episodes, that would be great as well. Cheers. Bye-bye.